0: While you're, while you're getting settled there for a minute, um, uh, the Majak men are handing out some cards that we, uh, that we promised to you from last week. These are just, they have the schedule, the Christmas schedule on them, the things that are going on here at and around Conduit during the Christmas season. And so you can use these, it's just a point of information for you and reminder, um, you should see... At the, uh, at the very top of that card on the back side is a reminder about the, the women's uh, or the Reese Sisterhood Christmas social. And um, we've just made, we made some adjustments to that and uh, still same day, same time, all of that. but uh, we just want to well, let you know that we're going I mean they decided to make that a free event, so we're not selling tickets to that anymore. It'd be pretty low-key here, an opportunity for uh, women to get together, to do some things um, going further into the Christmas season to bless um, other women in the city and the county um, during the Christmas season. Um, also, like hot cocoa bar and some, uh, what I hear is some pretty, pretty, um, pretty amazing Christmas trivia. Um, so. Um, is, is, is as amazing as Christmas trivia can be, I'm sure it's going to be that amazing. Are we alive this morning? I mean, is this thing on like you, like too many Christmas cookies last night or this morning? Like, hello, are you alive? Is this on? How are you? Okay, we're good? We're good. All right, because usually I'm pretty funny. Um, so I'm either not funny this morning or something's not working. All right, but no, In uh, we just want you to know women... Um, that that event is for you. Uh, would love for you to be here. If you have any questions about that, you can see a member of the Reese Sisterhood team. If you're a member of that team, would you just raise your hand so that people know where to find you? All right. So you're going to talk to Jess or uh, Kim or Allie, one of the th- one of the three, um, or you can talk to me, and I will pretend I know what I'm talking about. Um, The other announcement, or not announcement, just a reminder, is that the white Christmas tree out in the foyer, there's some little gift tags out there. Um, But that's our, um, I'm going to try and be funny again, but I don't think you're going to laugh this morning. Uh, That's going to be, you know, the, the partridge in a prayer tree. Where's Devin? Uh, partridge in a Prayer tree, and you just go out and like if you have something that you would like us to pray over um, this Christmas season for you, you can write that prayer here on one of those gift tags, hang it on the tree, and then um, we did it last Monday morning. We'll continue to do it every every Monday morning and beyond. The staff grabs all those tags off, prays through them um, during staff meeting, and then we'll hang them back up, and we'll just keep praying through them as long as they're on there. So. That is our partridge in a prayer tree. I'm going to stop making jokes because no one's laughing at me this morning. Um, you know uh, that singing that song there at the end um, and praying prayers about God's goodness. Uh, what, what, what I find, what I what I do find in my life, if I'm honest with myself, if I'm if I'm honest with you, if I'm honest with God. Is that there are definitive seasons where um, the goodness of God is—it's uh, not a reality; it's a question. You know, it's not like exclamation point; it's more like question mark. Like, are maybe maybe not so much are you good, God? But where is your goodness right now? Because um, everything seems to, quite honestly, just to be bad. And what I find is that, um, see, our our souls, our souls were made to worship. We were, were our souls were were created to be in worshipful response to our heavenly Father, and so even even when we, even when there is a a gap or a question in our in our souls, right? That when that when we Engage in the thing that we were meant to do, like truth begins to take root. So we we kind of say tongue in cheek sometimes, uh, fake it till you make it. You ever heard that phrase, right? And I and I I you know it's not it's not the end all be all statement, especially for worship. You know we don't want to fake really anything, but there is this reality that when the goodness of God is doubted, or the presence of the goodness of God in your life as doubted. That that doing the thing that your soul was designed to do, sing praises to the Lord, glorify and worship the Lord, especially in something that you're doubting, where the truth of God's goodness goes from being a question mark to being an, an exclamation point in your soul. And uh, I, if I have have a prayer for you this morning, it's that if you maybe came in here wondering if God was good, or maybe not experiencing the goodness of God in your life this week or last week, or not anticipating to experience the goodness of God in the the coming week, that uh, that God's goodness would take root in your heart this morning. That 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 the goodness of God, not as just information. Not as words on a page, not as a, a verse in the Bible, but that the, that the Holy Spirit of God would witness to your spirit about his goodness. Not just in general, but his goodness to you. That God is good not just in himself, but that God um, God desires that you would experience the totality of his goodness. The fullness of his goodness. Um, we uh, started a series last week um, out of the uh, the book of Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah, who had the uh, kind of the unenviable role. All all prophets in Scripture had this kind of unenviable role of speaking on behalf of God to a group of people. Who were rejecting God, and that's why uh, that's why God sent prophets or had prophets uh, was that that the that the people of God were rejecting God, and so that God would raise up a prophet from among them um, to speak to them about God's truth. Whether it be he, they would uh, the prophet would warn the people repent, or the people or, or the prophet would. Inc- would exhort the people or would try to lead the people. And Isaiah was one of those prophets that um, in the midst of the Babylonian exile of the Israelite people where, where Assyria had come in and conquered Jerusalem and conquered the Holy Land and then had sent a good portion of the Jewish people off into Assyria to live there away from their homeland, that that Isaiah came in at that moment Saying, hey look, we have experienced defeat at the hands of our enemies. We have been trampled upon. We are downtrodden. But, um, but, but, but there is a light that is beginning to dawn in the land of darkness. And that light is not just a light. That light is a person that light is a person uh, last week we talked about um, isaiah's proclamation that uh, the baby that would be born or the messiah that would become that would come uh, would be called wonderful counselor and from isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 isaiah proclaimed that those walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. See that the name or the term wonderful counselor, right, is not a, um, is a term, we talked about this last week, this is a little bit of I guess you call review, uh, but the, even the term counselor within scripture it, it indicated not a god that was high above us pointing the way not a guy or not a god that was like in front of us on the path like dragging us kicking and screaming or behind us on the path like pushing us in a direction that we want to go but 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 a god who comes alongside of us in gentleness in kindness in compassion who links arms with us who grabs the light of his word and illuminates the path step by step. See the interesting thing about like walking in the middle of darkness is that we don't often have the benefit of seeing of like carry a lantern. You imagine like just imagine you're in old-timey Jamestown, right? And you're carrying a lantern down the road in, um, in the midst of pitch black darkness. And the, the thing about a light that is carried, right, is that it only illuminates like one or two steps ahead of you. It's not like this big spotlight like we have today where you can shine, you know, like million candle power you can see six seven hundred yards in front of you right and the image of a wonderful counselor walking next to you is that they are they are carrying the light that that illuminates the next two or three steps that you're not you're not trusting in your necessary your ability to see the complete picture you're not trusting in your ability to see what the end Will be the end of the story, the end of the darkness. What you are trusting is that there is one that is beside you. You're trusting that the that the presence of God goes alongside of you, never, never leaves you, right? Does not refuses to, to, to leave you alone on the path, but illuminates the way. Those walking in darkness, they have seen a great light, a light. Has dawned. So Isaiah chapter 9. If we read the continued way that Isaiah describes. The one who will come. Draw your attention back to Isaiah 9. Starting at verse 6. He says for for to us a child is born. And to us a son is born. Is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I fear that something is happening. (laughs) Merry Christmas. I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a reset now, like a <laughs> Okay, here we are. The image of Jesus as a mighty God. The image of Jesus as a God that um or as a wonderful counselor is the image of jesus as gentle right is the image of jesus as tender is the is the image of is the image of jesus as one who walks alongside of us a wonderful counselor but what isaiah described is not just a god right there we we do not just have a god that is tender and kind and compassionate and gentle with us this is the this is the other side of the teeter-totter that we were talking about at the end of the service last week, is that we also have a God who sits in a place of might and a place of power, and that it is right and true and correct and comforting us for, for us to receive Jesus as one who is gentle, as one who is kind, as one who is walks alongside of us in the midst of our darkness, but... Also understanding that, that, that Jesus is mighty in power. That he is above all things in strength. That, that God the Father has placed all things under his feet. And that as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, that, that at the name of Jesus under the weight of the name of the mighty God that is Jesus Christ, that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess on heaven and earth that he is Lord. And so it is impossible for us to rightly grasp the tenderness and gentleness of Jesus without also rightly grasping or even being humbled by his awesome might the the name that is used here um, in isaiah mighty god in the in the hebrew um, uh, which was what this was written which isaiah was written with the name is el gibor you see it up there on your screen that's the that's the the, the technical name or the name and what it what it means is the the strong one it, it was meant to communicate an overwhelming sense of power, an overwhelming sense of strength, and, and not just in some uh, not just some existential power. Not just some oh like, oh yeah, he's God, So of course he's powerful. but it had it had specific indications for conquest, that the strength of God's might, that his, that his power, that his strength was one that conquered. Which was one that, that had, had no regard for the enemy. In fact, we see this name El Gibor um, in a lot of different places in Hebrew scripture. So Psalm uh, chapter uh, 24 verse 8 is one such example where we see... the same same name of God used. And in Psalm 24, verse 8, the psalmist writes this. uh, He says, Who is this king of glory? It's a rhetorical question, right? Who is this king of glory? It is the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord who is mighty in battle. Not just this, like nebulous very generalized hypothetical version of strength and power and might but a lord who is mighty in battle likewise another prophet alongside of Isaiah the prophet uh Jeremiah writes this and uses the name uh gabor when he refers to God he says this no one is like you o lord you you are great your and your name is mighty in power that the that the name of that the name of God when it comes to might indicates like overwhelming strength and power conquest now if we go back to what Isaiah says here where we have been all uh during this season I, Isaiah 9 um and we see that, that Isaiah lists out the name of God like in verse 6, right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But that he doesn't, if we back up even into verse 4 and 5, the verses right before, that, that Isaiah himself sets up this reminder to the people of like, Hey, hey, look, I want you to be reminded that yes, our God is a counselor, a wonderful counselor, someone that comes alongside of us. But hey, You remember what he did. Remember his mightiness when he says this. um, Starting in verse 4. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you, O Lord, you have shattered the yoke that burdens the people. The bar that has been across their shoulders, the rod... Of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for burning, and will be fuel for the fire. That 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 the that the prophet is reminding them that the that the mightiness of God has released them through battle from uh, oppression over the Midian, uh, from the Midianite people. That. That that the mightiness of God, our mighty God, broke the yoke of oppression, released the rod of the oppressor from the backs of the people, and that and that all like this is violent type of very um, um, explicit language. Even he talks about how the the garments, the footprints that have been soaked with blood. In battle, that God will gather those up and use them for fuel in his fire. Like there is no, like, like it won't escape God's might and power. The way in which the, the, the people have been oppressed, the way, the way in which a, a yoke, a burden has been be put on them, that that is not lost on God. And that every iniquity placed on the people of God will will suffer the fate of the mightiness of God the holiness of God the tremendous strength and power of God and so Isaiah called the people to remember hey remember what God what, what he did with the Midianite people Remember how he freed you from slavery? Remember how you were oppressed and God released you? Remember how the might of God's power came to your rescue in this moment? Right? Because now, here are the people in a similar type of oppression, in a similar type of pattern, right? Where they have been conquered by the, uh, the Babylonian people, or the Assyrian people, and shipped off off to Babylon. And now they're sitting in this, woe is me, God has abandoned us, our God has forgotten about us, why isn't God showing up on our behalf? And Isaiah comes and is like, hey look, you remember what God did then? Deliverance is coming. The darkness that you are now in, a, a light is being dawned. And that light will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Look, here's a reality that Isaiah was trying to get like, into the people. And that we would, be, we would be good to be reminded of this as well. Is that, um, is that God, God uses the memory of past victory as the promise for future victory. Like, like what God does even in this moment is he, he moves the prophet Isaiah to say, Hey, guys, like you have such short memory. Do you remember the oppression you were under? Do you remember the darkness that you were experiencing? Do you remember the rod of the oppressor that was over you? Do you remember the yoke of slavery that was all on top of you? God God delivered you from that, and God God used even the garments of blood that were left over from that as fuel for the fire of your deliverance. Remember and believe that the same God who delivered you then is fixing to deliver you in the future. I often, like, I often consider, um, I guess what we'll call the battles that, like, you and I fight. Right? Uh, the battles that we fight in life. And, and. And I don't know your battle, right you know your battle sometimes the battle is with a, a relationship that you have right consistent battle back and forth. sometimes the battle is just within your own mind right you You battle this sense of um, like horrible like uh, self esteem or, or 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 identity or anxiety or depression or fear right or 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 you're battling with um of uh, you're battling with with pride or with envy or with grief, or you're 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 battling even against your your own flesh, what your body is doing to you, right? Like you're battling and you're battling and you're battling and you're battling, and you're battling. and the thing about battling is that it's tiring and it's difficult and it's tough, and there's nothing easy about it. and without some, encouragement without some battle partners it becomes it becomes really easy to fall into this into a pattern of god is has abandoned me in this battle there is no victory in this battle or it will go on forever this is just who i am or what is going on and so we begin to fight a battle or we begin to like we begin to um predict whether or not the battle will be won, based upon the circumstances of the battle, we look at the war. We look at the battle waging around us. We see what's happening. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in your own mind. Maybe it's within your family or at work. Or we see we see the battle and it looks it's hopeless, right? We have no allies. No one really understands. We can't seem to communicate what we're feeling or how we're feeling. We don't feel the presence of God. We're, we feel all alone. It's a battle we are fighting, and we can't seem to get out. And so we look at the circumstances of it, and we begin to predict our doom. We begin to predict our downfall, or maybe even, um, even more generally, we, just begin to, we, we begin to predict that this is a battle that we will always fight. This battle will never be over. It will never end. There is no end in sight to this. Listen. The the universal, uh, unilateral, without a doubt, reminder of the prophet, right, to the people is like, look, it is not the circumstances of the battle that determine the battle's outcome. The one who is fighting the battle determines the outcome who's fighting the battle the battle that you are in the battle that you are experiencing the battle that you are facing the battle that will never end the battle that there is no way out of the battle whose circumstances are 100 percent completely overwhelming to you all of the time you can't escape from it who who is fighting it are you fighting it are you fighting the battle? Does the do, do the circumstances overwhelm you so much so that there is no way out? Right. Who is fighting your battle? Are you? If you fight your battle, are you confident? in the resources of your own physical, mental, emotional, spiritual endurance to win? That is a rhetorical question, because you know the answer. Because if you are confident in your own abilities to win the battle that you're facing, or to address the battle, or to defeat the enemy, whatever that may be, you would have done so already... You would have figured it out. You would have put the pieces in place, the plan in motion to come to some kind of victory over this all. What is quickly becoming... uh, It's interesting how the different seasons of life, God speaks to you in in different ways. And sometimes there are seasons of life where there's a consistent message, right, like the whole time, and you're like, God, like, I'm sick of hearing this, like, but it's just a consistent message, the whole time, 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 and then every, every experience you have, every relationship, every conversation, every circumstance, right, like, God is just continue to, like, speak, 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 and, and this, this next scripture is, like, I would, like, I dare say, like, this is, this is becoming like a new life verse for me. Um, it's when um, the uh, the Israelites are leaving Egypt in the Exodus, right? And they make it all the way to the bank of the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are like just tearing behind them, chariots and horses and armies, and Behind them is an army that seeks to just wipe them out and destroy them. And in front of them is a large body of water that they, like, what are they gonna do? A couple hundred thousand people just gonna get in the Red Sea and try and swim across it? They're stuck, right? There's no way out. They look at the circumstances of the battle. They look at the circumstances of the battle and say, this is it. This is it. This is all. This is the end. And then, and then the Lord, through through Moses, right, he was a prophet to the people of that time. In Exodus chapter thirteen and fourteen, I get goosebumps. Moses answered the people, "Do not be afraid." Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. This is it right here. Who fights the battle? The Lord will fight for you. You need only Be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Who is fighting your battle? As I was writing this verse down for my notes, um. I got this picture in my mind, this like vision, I believe, from the Lord. It's kind of funny, but it kind of, probably won't be funny this morning because no one's laughing at me. Um, uh, It's kind of funny, but it also really displays the point, right? I had this vision of someone standing before a door, right? And just with every bit of energy and emotion that they have just like both hands beating on the door yelling crying screaming kicking like trying to break the door down to get through it like and they just like they're not strong enough and they're hitting the door and kicking the door and screaming and crying and they're just a mess like just all out everything that they have trying to get through this door, and it can't, it won't break down, it won't open. And Jesus walks up, puts the hand on the shoulder, there immediately comes a sense of calm, and he reaches around me, and he grabs the doorknob, and he turns it, and the door comes right open. It's like how much energy, how much emotion how much pain goes into fighting the battle, kicking and screaming and crying and trying to beat down this door, right? Forgetting like like every bit of might that we have, trying to get through it all, thinking that it is, well, if I just enough? If I just scream loud enough, if I just bang on this door enough, it's eventually going to give way and and come open. And then Jesus comes around in his own gentle way and turns the doorknob. And we realize the entire time that it's not about the circumstances of how hard we fight. It's about who's fighting the battle for us, right? That Jesus says, listen, um, just be still. Allow me to fight for you. I will fight for you. You need only be still. In a way so uncharacteristic of the way that we fight, Jesus turns the doorknob and the door swings open and all of a sudden we are like the the reality of the way that we've been fighting washes over us, right? That we've been that we've been fighting totally under the power of our own flesh and our own strength and our own striving, forgetting, right, that the mighty God of all of the universe stands beside us saying, I will fight for you if you would only be still. Stop. Just stop. Stop the screaming, Stop the like stop the pounding, stop the kicking, Stop. I don't, many, I don't know how many times in my life that I that the harder I have fought against something, the worse it got, right? The harder I fought emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. Like, oh, I'm just going to fight harder. I'm just going to go harder. I'm going to, you know, go more, 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 more. And the, the harder that I fought, like, in my own strength, the worse the circumstances got. The worse the situation became. And it seems like the only thing that got, the only thing that changed through my fighting is that I was more tired, more discouraged, more defeated and the mountain got a little higher. Our strength, your strength, my strength, our strength, is not sufficient for the battles that we fight. But Jesus is a mighty God, full of strength and power. There is a fear, right, that um, we will never experience victory over the battle. Um, and, and this is where we, we, we um, whereas men and women uh, before the holiness and presence of God um, tread, need to tread very lightly, very lightly. Because, uh, like I said last week, it's, you know, we, 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 we kind of run this pattern of, like, being overly buddy-buddy with Jesus. Or being, um, or, and, and like, taking his holiness almost for granted in our relationship with him. Or we do the opposite, right? And God is so holy and so... Um, spiritually like out there that we have no access to him that he's not interested in our lives that that we don't really have relationship with him he's just a god with a white beard on a cloud looking down on us right and so there's this balance right of understanding that god is both eternally holy and mighty right but that god is also totally personal and available that God is both wonderful counselor and he, is, and he has mighty God. In the same somehow ironic, difficult for us to categorize in our own brain, um, God. That the, that the tenderness and gentleness of Jesus can only really be truly understood, right? If there is also an awareness of the power the might and like dare i say fury of Jesus we cannot have we cannot have either without having the other we cannot have the gentleness without having the power we cannot have the kindness and compassion without having the might Right? We cannot have the understanding without also having the fury. And I use that word fury specifically because um, Scripture uses it. We're going to get there in a minute. I, um, you know, sometimes, um, and I'm, I'm sure, or I'm, I'm guessing that some of you have seen them from time to time, um, this, these videos like maybe on Facebook or YouTube or whatever of maybe it's a news story where um, where someone is like bullying someone else, just like beating them up physically, verbally, um, emotionally. And you have I think each one of us has this like almost innate, sense of like this is not okay um, and usually those videos end with someone like coming in the scene right and just throttling the bully and um, and most of us I think or I mean I won't speak for you but um, myself like there's this innate sense of like bro you had that coming I'm glad right I, I am I am happy to see that happen to you because we all have this, I think, innate sense and desire for justice when um, the scales in a fight are so heavily weighted in one direction. And that there's some injustice there and that there's a power imbalance there and that and that um, someone needs to bring the scales back into, um, equilibrium, right? But we don't often feel that way about our own selves, or like at our own, at our own battles. And at the sake of, at the sake of minimizing um, your battle, like, like we get bullied by our own circumstances because we truly are under our own power and own might and own striving and kicking and screaming against the door of our battles. Like we truly are powerless to get the door open. We truly are powerless to fight and win on our own. We are not equipped to win. And Jesus is sufficiently powerful to fight the battles uh, day to day for us. You need only be still. I will fight for you. But what is uh, possible? What is perhaps the more important message this morning is that uh, Jesus is not. Um, Jesus is not resigned to simply winning the day-to-day battles. That there um, is coming a time where Jesus will no longer fight the day-to-day battles, but He will simply come to win the war. That the that the war that the battles exist in will be fought and won by Jesus. I think I mentioned last week that the season that we're in right now, this Christmas season is really a season of Advent, right? It's an Advent means um, the coming or the anticipation, right? And we're We're building building up to this moment on December 25th, where everything, excuse me, that we've been anticipating, right, is finally come in the baby in a manger, and it's a great story. And and Jesus has come in the incarnation to be the wonderful counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace, right? And, And and the whole season of Christmas is about. Anticipating and expecting, and Jesus, Jesus is coming, and we're waiting, and we're watching, and and we're looking for the signs. And now He's here, and 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 the whole world is changing forever. And that's the beautiful thing about the Christmas season, as it it builds up to this crescendo of Jesus' presence on Christmas morning, and then Jesus comes and he 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 lives his life, and he he um, has his ministry, and he raises up his disciples, and, he, and he, um, he plants his church, right? And he dies on the cross, and, Jesus, and, and God the Father raises him back to dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he ascends back into heaven, and he tells his disciples, hey, um, I'm going away now in John chapter 14, but guess what? I'm going to be back. I'm coming back, and I will take you to be with me where I am. And so, we, like, the Christmas season, we're in this, like, place of anticipation and waiting. Like, Jesus is coming. 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 And then in Christmas, we celebrate, hey, Jesus is here. Right? But we do that symbolically. Right? We, we, do, we do it symbolically because it's always already happened. Forgetting right that we are in the same type of season with just a different outcome. We we are in the same you and I right now in this very moment, you know, December 8th, 2019 are in the very same season of advent that they were pre-Jesus, wondering when deliverance will come, wondering when the battle will be finally over, wondering when God is going to come on the scene to win the war finally and forever we are in a period of a second advent when jesus comes not to not to just be okay with fighting the day-to-day battles of your life for you right but to come back to win the entire war and put an end to all of it and this is where I say, like we want to. I want to, knowing the responsibility um, that's been given to me to tread humbly and lightly upon this, knowing how um, deeply, how how absolutely mighty and holy God is. There are two um, specific uh, scriptures that I want to draw our attention to this morning, both from um, uh, the book of Revelation, which speaks about this moment where we no longer are waiting and anticipating and wondering when Jesus will return once again, but when that moment actually does come to fruition, right? Right? And it is a a build up or similar to um, Christmas, a crescendo that ends in the coming of Jesus. And the first is in Revelation chapter seventeen, uh, verse fourteen, where um, it's just very simply said um, that um, that the what is described as the beast of Revelation. Will come, and it says in seven, uh, Revelation 17, verse 14, they will make war. They will make war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will overcome them, because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. This is a, a precursor here now, then to what happens in Revelation chapter 19, where John receives the vision of what happens indeed at that last battle. So you go to Revelation 19, starting at verse 11, and you see what John reveals to us here. He says, I saw heaven standing open. Listen, before we go any further. remember that we're we're talking about the promise of Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah for um, a Messiah that is both a wonderful counselor walking alongside of us in our midst of brokenness and darkness, being tender and gentle, lighting the path through our darkness, And we're also talking about Isaiah's proclamation that not only is he a wonderful counselor, but he is also a mighty God, full of power and strength. Fighting the battle on our behalf in absolute and total victory over everything that separates us from God, over over every enemy, over every pain over every infirmity, over every sin. And so what John recounts here in Revelation 19 verse 11 is the moment, not that the wonderful counselor comes and like puts his arm around us, but the moment where it's not tender Jesus, it's not gentle Jesus, It's not thumbs up Jesus. This is mighty God. And I think you'll see that in the language that John uses here. He says, I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse. Whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. Almighty, on his robe, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, come gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and generals and mighty men of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slaves, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured. And with him, the false prophet, who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf, with these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery, fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. We serve a God certainly of tenderness and gentleness and kindness and compassion to us as we walk in the midst of our darkness. But we also serve a God who is mighty in power, who is magnificent in strength, whom will stand against the armies of every spirit and demon who has waged war on you and I and will defeat them with the words of his mouth. And we don't have to do a thing. Because the Lord will fight for us. We need only to be still. God is mighty in power. God's mightiness on our behalf is furious. Is magnificent and strong. us with uh, a scripture this morning that, uh, that displays um, both the mightiness of God for us and the tenderness of God for us. There are lots of prophets that we have in scripture, we've read from Isaiah and Jeremiah this morning, Moses was a prophet of sorts. Another uh, prophet, don't worry, I won't make you find it in your Bible. Um, his name is Zephaniah, right? Um, and, uh, and Zephaniah uh, says this about the Lord. In Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, he says, The Lord, the Lord your God, is in your midst. Mighty one. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. And he will quiet you with his love. He will exalt you with loud singing. The Lord is mighty. Mighty to save you, but his love is so deeply tender and gentle that it will quiet you. We serve such a God. Christmas, Advent, the season that we're in right now, is about grasping the anticipation of the promise of Jesus coming both the first time and the second time where he comes in gentleness and he comes in power let's pray Lord you indeed shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father and Prince of Peace. Lord, may we, Lord, may we receive in um, humility, Lord, and Lord, sometimes I just I feel like it's so much easier to receive you as a mighty God than it is to receive you as a gentle God. But you are both. You are not lacking in anything towards us. You are not lacking in your gentleness, your tenderness in the midst of our pain. When it is... When, when we need you to come alongside of us, Lord, you are already there, lighting the path in the midst of the darkness. And as Isaiah said, the people who are living in darkness have seen a great light. Lord, and you are also, at the very same time, unapproachably mighty. Mighty. Father, I pray that in your might and power you would destroy every enemy that sets itself up against the goodness of God in our lives. Lord Jesus, that every enemy that seeks to distract us From your goodness to us, Lord. With the power of your might and your strength, Father, would you destroy them? Lord, we submit every battle that we are fighting right now to you. Every, every like relationship that we feel like we're beating against the door with. Every mental or emotional problem, every addiction, Lord, every um, like habitual pattern of sin. Every battle that we are facing and struggling and striving and using all of our energy. To no avail, Lord. Father, we let our hands down. We unclench our fists. We relax our shoulders. We take a deep breath. And we stand still. We stand still for a moment. We stand still for a day. Lord, maybe we stand still for a year. But we stand still. Lord, because you have promised to fight for us. You have promised that, Lord, wrapped up in who you are is every might and power and strength necessary. To not just win the temporary battle, but to win the eternal war. And so, Lord, we stop. Knowing, Father, that it's not the circumstances of our battle that determine whether it will be won or not, Lord, but it's you. It is you fighting for us. We give over, control Of our own battles, Lord. That you would fight them for us. In Jesus' name.